Good morning. Well, it's great to have friends with us. We don't just have, we don't just have visiting speakers uh, come to us at Gateway. We have friends who we know and love and who we expect to help bless us. And it was fantastic to have Brian and Rachel bar with us last week from Houston, Texas. And in the week in between, there's been eight of us, eight couples who've been away together in France, eight couples who give a lead to the Advanced Family Churches, a group of 150 churches at the moment in the States and UK and Africa and Asia. And we were meeting together to be together, enjoy one another's company, to uh, pray together, to plan for what God is doing amongst us. And uh, Ryan and Kate were with us as part of that group. And it's fantastic to have them with us yesterday, Ryan, doing Strengths Day. Those of us who are here yesterday would have been strengthened by what Ryan had to bring to us. And I think as a church, we'll feel the benefits and the fruit of that in the months and the years going ahead as we think more and more about how it is that we can work in our strengths, how we can help one another uh, serve in our strengths, how we can encourage each other in that. And uh, that will help us in the mission that God has called us to. And uh, really looking forward to having Ryan with us again this morning. Ryan was last with us just last October, preached here last October. So uh, we'll be familiar to a whole bunch of us. And uh, so pleased you could be here today. After the service, we're shooting off to the airport. Uh, they're heading back to France tonight and then catching a plane home to South Africa from, from Paris. So we just managed to squeeze this little trip with them in for this Sunday. So thanks so much for being here. Can we welcome Ryan? Great. Thank you, Martin. Yep. No? There we go. Does it sound better? Okay, good. Well, so good to be with you guys here at Gateway Church. A privilege to be back so soon. Didn't realize after being here in October that I'd be able to be with you guys again. But a real privilege to be with you guys. I think for us, uh, it's been great over the last few years and teaming as part of the global movements in advance to get to know Matt and Grace enjoying our friendship with them and getting to know them a bit better, but also getting to know you guys a little bit better. And it's cool to come back and have so, familiar, so many familiar faces in the room. So a privilege to come and serve. And isn't it cool that two churches, one here on the coast of England and one down there on the tip of Africa, the coast of South Africa, can be in partnership together, reliving, in a sense, this global dynamic of seeing the gospel reached the ends of the earth. And so to be in friendship and in partnership is a great privilege as churches. And so today I bring you greetings from Common Ground, the church that we have the privilege of being part of. Last 18 years, we lead one of the nine Common Ground congregations. And really, you guys are a church that are in our hearts and in our prayers. So we pray for you. And I want to also take a moment to thank you, because I realize that this church every month sows to the global mission of what God's doing through the advanced movements. You do that financially, and you also do that through sowing the gifts of Matt and Grace to other churches and other contexts, and to serve with us on a team that's looking to see churches strengthened around the world and churches planted around the world. So every time they go, this is not your loss. This is your strength being exercised in the reliving of the book of Acts in our day and our age. And so today, I want to applaud Gateway Church for your generosity to the global mission of God's. And thank you for releasing leaders and for sending finances so that we can relive the book of Acts in our day and our time. So thank you guys for your faithfulness. This morning, we're gonna jump straight into our text. If you've got your Bibles with you, I wanna encourage you to move to Ephesians, and we're gonna look at chapter four of Ephesians, a passage of scripture that is known to many of us, 
I'm going to take it from a little bit of a different angle this morning. Paul is writing. He's writing from, he's writing to the church in Ephesus, but he's writing from a prison in Rome in around AD 60. And really this book to the Ephesians is a brilliant book that focuses on the large scope of God's eternal plan. And the first three chapters focus on what Christians should believe and on the glories of the gospel that we've come to know. But now in chapter four, he kind of turns his attention towards the implications of that gospel and God's grace for us as the church. We're going to read it, and then we're going to spend the rest of our time unpacking it together. I therefore, Paul speaking, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord's, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given not just to Matt Hosea, but to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore it says, when he ascends on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all maintain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. In love. This is God's wonderful and inspired word to us. Father, won't you write the truths of your word upon our hearts and upon our minds that we may live as you would have us live? Amen. So, today, as I've been praying and asking God to give me a sense of what to speak to you guys about, I really felt that God pressed it on my heart to, to bring to Gateway Church a fresh call to maturity, a call to maturity. And the prayers that I want to pray, and I hope that you would today come to a place of being able to pray with me, is God, take me deeper with you. Lord, take me deeper with you. I'm not doing this because I believe that you guys are an immature bunch. Let me just say that on the front end. I'm doing this because I'm excited by what Scripture has to say and how many times Scripture seems to come back to this dynamic of calling us to maturity. Listen to these verses 
uh, from all over the New Testament. Colossians 1.28 says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Hebrews 6.1, Therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. James 1.4, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, lacking, not lacking anything. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 11 says, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace. And then there's also a warning, a warning from Jesus the head of the church, about what causes us not to mature. In Luke 8 and verse 14, it says this, the seed that fell amongst the thorn, thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. As Christ followers, Christ followers it's my hope today that we would find ourselves not becoming choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures and not stepping into the fullness of what God has for us. God desires for us that we would become mature. This is important for our walk with him. This is important for our witness in the world. And this is important for us living into and becoming all that God desires for us to become. So we're going to look back at the passage of scripture in a minute. But before we do that, I want to tell you a story. It's the story of a rabbi with insomnia. What happened is the rabbi, because he wasn't sleeping, would go walking through his village at night and just pray and contemplate kind of the things of God. And, and as he was walking, he was walking, he came to a dark alley. And as he was walking through the darker parts of the alley, he heard a voice and he could hear it was a strong and authoritative voice kind of on the other side of the shadows. And the voice called out to him saying, who are you and why are you here? Who are you? And why are you here? And the rabbi said to the voice, say that again, sir. And again, the strong voice called out to him, who are you and why are you here? And the rabbi paused. And as he came out of the shadows and he saw, shadows and he saw that it was a God standing in front of a house, obviously an important house, he changed his question and he said, tell me, sir, what are your wages? To which the guard standing in front of the house looked confused and said, why would you ask me that question? And he said, because I will double your wage monthly if you will stand in front of my house and ask me those two questions every time I go in and every time I go out. Who are you and why are you here? And he said, for these surely are the two most important questions for us to live every day with, with these questions before us. Who are you and why are you here? I think if we can come to answer those questions, we come to answer two of the primary longings of every human heart, to understand our identity and to understand our purpose. Who are you and why are you here? And I believe as we look to this passage of Scripture, not only are we going to get a greater understanding for who we are and who we are in God, but also for why we are here and what He has for us to do. So let's jump into unpacking this passage of Scripture, and let's call our hearts and our lives into a maturity in Christ. 
Verse 4, I mean, chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, I therefore, Paul's speaking, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I think the first thing that we can realize here by looking at this passage is that there is a manner of walking which is a right manner, and therefore, that also would insinuate or infer that there is a worthy, uh, an unworthy manner of walking, right? That has to be true. I know it's, it's true in my life. Do I always walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling of God upon my life? It is, I don't. I know I don't. Running away from the things of God, running towards other things, lesser things, choosing to do things my own way, not obeying God's clear instructions for my life. All of these things are indications of not work, walking in a manner that is worthy of the calling of God. Maybe I'm too enticed by these other things. So, if we're going to be mature as followers of Christ, the first thing I think we need to be aware of and contend for and focus on is walking in a worthy manner. Walking in a worthy manner. Let's pause for a moment there. This morning, I wonder in which way would you say that you are walking worthy of the calling of God in your life or not? One thing I've learned from a few of my doctor friends is that diagnosis is very important. Correct diagnosis is so important, and it best comes when? Before treatment. So today, we need to ask ourselves these questions. Sometimes they're the harder questions. One of the best things we can do with our spiritual lives is to be honest with where we find ourselves when it comes to these matters of maturity. And then we seek God to take us deeper and to help us. Paul continues. He tells us a little bit more about what this worthy manner of walking out our calling looks like. He says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. What do you see when you read those verses? The first thing that I realize is that very few of those things can be done on my own. Very few of those things can be done on my own. All of those things are speaking about a maturity and a walking out in the way that we respond and act and interact with others. There's a community nature that Paul is drawing our attention to here. Surely it's almost impossible to do any of these things. Have humility, not thinking less of ourselves, but of ourselves less. What about having gentleness? It's hard to have gentleness with yourself. I guess it's possible. Gentleness in tone and lack of judgment and care and conversational manner. What about patience? Patience, long-suffering and endurance. What about bearing with one another in love? Walking the long roads. What about unity? Impossible to have unity by yourself, right? Not allowing things to divide and drive us apart, but working and contending for a togetherness that God calls us to. And obviously peace, he mentions that. The experience of shalom and wellness and flourishing. Our walk with God is a deeply personal thing, but I believe we as the church in the 21st century need to contend for making sure that we never see it as a private matter. We never see it as a private matter. We cannot buy into the tendencies of our individualistic Western cultures that say, I am good enough on my own, or even just me and Jesus. It seems that if you read through scriptures, the clear teaching of scripture and throughout the, the whole of scripture, the expanse of scripture, we see God working to draw together a people that he can call his own. 
And there's a huge community dynamic of God working with his people. I believe the second important thing for us to realize when it comes to our own maturity is that to walk in a manner that is worthy is always going to be a walking together. Our maturity is a community project. Our maturity is a community project. Paul continues, verse 4. Is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul's driving home this point of oneness. And to be honest, we could preach a whole sermon series just on these, these three verses here. We see, we see the, the richness of everything that we experience in our oneness with God and oneness with each other. One body that we all connected as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. One spirit that is alive and at work in each of us, bringing us to maturity. One hope a collective anticipation of a future reality that awaits us upon Christ's return. One Lord, our beautiful, our wonderful, our generous, our joyful Trinitarian Godheads. One faith in Christ's work upon the cross being finished. One baptism, death to self and alive to Christ. One God and Father adopting us into his family so that you, and an identity, who are you, can be called son and daughter of Christ if you put your faith in him. Gateway Church, this morning, God's call to this community is a call to oneness in these things. Oneness. Oneness with God and oneness with each other. Jesus in John 17 prays. And when he prays, he prays for a oneness with God and a unity within the body of Christ. Christ, the head of the church, when he prays for us, when he desires for us, when he longs for us, he longs for a oneness with God and a unity within the body. And he says that, if we're one with God, we're unified together, we'll become a witness to the worlds. God is calling us to, one, to oneness. Verse seven says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Isn't that interesting? It seems like he's on this oneness dynamic and he's calling us under this umbrella of oneness and our togetherness. And then he points out here that grace was given to each one of us. He's not saying grace was given to all of us as a collective. He's speaking here about a specific grace that was given to your life. This is an individually appointed and specific grace. And this should be reassuring to us because if God's calling us to walk in a manner that is worthy, he is also giving us what we need to be able to do so. He is providing for us everything that is needed for us to walk in such a manner. And this is the third key to our maturing, that we need to both recognize and access the specific grace of God available to our lives to walk into maturity and to become mature in him. I think this is a grace that God has ordained for you and I to be able to run our race, to be able to walk in this worthy manner. And it's a grace that each of us need to cause the other to see in their own lives. My wife, where is she? There she is. She has a grace that God has given to her life. And sometimes I, as her spouse, need to be the one who calls forth and reminds her of that grace and helps her to recognize the grace of God upon her life. And sometimes she needs to do that for me. 
And so your single friends, you need to be community and you need to be Christ to them, reminding them of the grace that God has put on their lives. And to your children and to each other as community, there is a specifically appointed grace that God has placed upon our lives. And we, in this oneness of community, need to help others to recognize it and access it and draw on it for their lives. Let's be sure that as Christ's community, we are doing this together. Verse eight continues. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And to be honest, the first time I read this, I kind of was like, Paul's just gone on a little bit of a side tangent here, and I really wasn't tracking exactly what he was saying. But more I looked into it, the more I realized, man, this is one of the most important keys for us. Paul is doing what I've, Paul is doing in his day and reminding that group of people what I believe we should do in our day and reminding all of us as, as God's people. He is reminding them of this. He's referring back to Psalm 68 and verse 18. It's a prophetic psalm about a future Messiah. And what Paul is doing in this passage of Scripture is he is reminding them of who Jesus really is, that Jesus is the promised Messiah, that we are not to look anywhere else. He is the one that we have been waiting for. He is the one that holds everything together. He is the one who has the answers for us. Why did Paul need to do this? Because the people in that time, just like the people in our time, are asking an important question. Was Jesus really God? Was Jesus really God's? And he goes to depths and explaining, yes, definitely, this is the long-awaited Messiah. This is the God-man. And the fourth key to our maturity from this passage is that we need to keep clear on who Jesus really is. Keep clear on who Jesus really is. Because even as Christ followers, we can sometimes forget. Maybe we can grow complacent. Maybe we can not recognize this Jesus in our lives and at his work in our lives. And so many of my friends, in the context of grappling with theologies and things like that, as soon as they are grappling with who Jesus is, I know it's going to do one of two things. It's either going to shoot them forward in the taking hold of the gospel as they journey towards Christ or it's going to leave them completely somewhere else, kind of not trusting who Jesus is. And for me, it's so important that we grapple with who Jesus is. If you find yourself in the room here today, maybe you're still a spiritual explorer. You're deciding what you believe. We believe this is a fantastic place to explore the claims of who Jesus is. And I would encourage you to keep coming on Sundays. But grapple with this. Who is Jesus? Remember the story was told about Edge. Does anybody know who Edge is? Edge is who? He's, yes, he's a guitarist or guitarist. You made me doubt myself. Guitarist from U2, he's called The Edge. You know, everybody just calls him The Edge. 
And the story, true story is told. There he is. That's a picture of him. True story is told that in Los Angeles over Halloween, the one year, he and his teenage son decided to play a trick on everyone. They decided to dress up as himself, the edge. And so they put some of his really expensive guitars over their backs, and they dressed just like he always dressed, little black beanie with some kind of jeans and black shoes and a shirt on. And he and his son walked around the streets of Los Angeles, trick-or-treating, asking people, going up to their houses and asking them for sweets and candy. And as they walked away from one house, he says in a book, says, as they walked away from one house, he overheard the wife saying to her husband or to the kids, whoever they were saying, he said, she said to them, oh, Shane, that guy doesn't look anything like the edge. <laughs> and obviously she was a fan. She knew who they were trying to be. But she missed out on the opportunity to engage with maybe one of her kind of rock star heroes just because in a moment she made a quick judgment and she threw it away saying, he doesn't even look anything like him. <laughs> and the truth is of the Christian life, it is our great endeavor to fully have Jesus before us and to recognize his work and his movements and his voice in our lives. And so many times I come to the scripture, so many times I come to my quiet time and I kind of, maybe I'm not feeling it in the moment and I'm like, oh, this feels more like a discipline than a delight. You know the words that I say to myself in that moment? I say these words, awake my soul and see who stands before you. Awake my soul and see who stands before you. Gateway Church, we have the living God of the universe and he has given all for us that we may be in relationship with him. And so often, just like that lady in the, ed the edge, we can have Jesus walking up to us. We can have Jesus moving in on us, and we dismiss him in a moment. We do not prioritize him. We do not take hold of him. We do not delight in him as we should, and we miss out on the glories of who he is. We need to keep clear on who Jesus is. Let's not lose out on that wonderful opportunity. Continuing then, verse 11, and he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers. We could do a sermon series on this too, and many have. But I'm gonna suggest that there's one other point just in these verses that another key to us maturing and coming to fullness and maturity is that we would receive the gifts that God has given to his church. Receive the gifts that God has given to his church. God, in his word, recognizes and celebrates these gifts to the church, and so should we. The leaders of this community, the teachers, the home group leaders, those that are serving our kids, those that are bringing their gifts, and hopefully that's a whole bunch of us. Let's celebrate the gifts that God's given to the church, as well as these Ephesians 4 uh, gifts. There are so many gifts to be celebrated in the life of the church because they are there for a reason. And that's what we're going to get to next. Verse 12, what are they there for? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. And what is it that work of ministry aimed to do? For the building up of the body of Christ. And what will that hopefully look like? Three things this passage continues to tell us. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and mature manhood. Mature manage. God's calling us to maturity. The gifts that are given to the life of the church are there so that we can reach so that we can find ourselves as a body being built up and so that we can reach unity and fullness of knowledge and also maturity. That scripture lands with this verse. 
To what measure does God want this for us? Paul's speaking, but this is the heart of God for us. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Those are, those are amazing words. We could spend weeks here, as I've said, but there are different role players in the church. And what's happening is we're seeing that Paul has recognized those that they're there to equip the saints for works of service. They're there to see the body built up so that we can come to unity, knowledge, and maturity, to the fullness of Christ. Let me ask you again today, are you there yet? Are you there yet? Are you there to the fullness of the stature of Christ? I don't think any of us are. I'm not there. And so these verses are important for us, and these are relevant to us. There's a room full of us that can say yes to a greater maturity in Christ. And Paul continues, and he explains this. He says, God's heart for us is this, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. God recognizes that we are children, and he wants us to mature into more than that. He wants us to be safe. He wants us to be protected. He wants us not to be led astray by lesser things. I'm wondering how many of you have been wondering why this great table is up here, and I wonder how many of you have seen what's happening over here. This is a beautiful dog bowl, and inside it is some beautiful dog food, right? Look at that. One of the little kids ran up to me and said, are you going to eat the dog food? <laughs> it's the glories of what God's invited us into is he's invited us to come and to sit at a table. Scripture speaks that he has laid a table for us. And God in many ways has invited us to come and commune with him. It's a beautiful setup, a beautiful table. There's even some great red alcohol-free <laughs> wine here. And God has called us, and God has, through Jesus, made the opportunity for us to find ourselves sitting at the table. There's an invitation. If you today have not received the invitation, let me say that invitation is as real to you as it was to me 19 years ago. When I responded to that invitation, I said yes to Christ's invitation to come and sit at the table. But how many of us know that this is not where we find ourselves all the time. Because this scripture says, the scripture speaks about how we sometimes find ourselves tossed to and fro and, and carried about, in other words, carried away from where we should be by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, by deceitful schemes. Someone said if the devil had to come to earth today, he wouldn't come with kind of horns and one of those pitchfork things. He would come through technology. He would attack our sexuality. He would draw us into lesser things, disguised in the beauty of what promises so much to us and delivers so little. And unfortunately, even though we're invited to sit at the table, so often we find ourselves running over here going, wow, look at that. There's an amazing meal over here, and I'm sure somehow this meal is going to fill me up. This meal's gonna fill me up. Because guess what? It doesn't look like dog food to us when we first see it. 
One of my favorite kind of dynamics is to realize that marketing robs us of our contentment and sells it back to us at the price of a product. And it's dog food. Men, women, every time we go on our internet and there's that little button you can click, and you can click through to those sites that are gonna promise you the world and expose you to things that you think will give you pleasure. In those moments, it's dog food that has been disguised in a way that wants to rob you of your joy and contentment and provide a momentary joy which is not lasting and which is not true. We find ourselves somehow in our human nature We find ourselves recognizing that we are those who grab dog food and sometimes we just pop a little bit in our mouth. Even if we Christ follows, we pop a little bit in our mouths and we think, hmm, it's not too bad. Before we know it, we've become like the dogs who are on their hands and knees and are groveling through the dog food. And yet, and yet what we have laid before us is so beautiful. What we have laid before us is wonderful. And God is saying he wants to call us to come to the table. Listen to these next verses. These lesser things, what do they want to do? They want to distract us. These lesser things, they want to entangle us. These lesser things, they want to poison us. And yet listen to this invitation. Rather, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Rather than speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. The beauty of this meal is not only do we sit at the table and not only do we sit across from the creator of the universe, our good heavenly father, and not only are we invited to commune with him, but we look underneath and we realize that he has provided for us every single thing that we need for life and godliness. In Christ, in Christ he has provided these things for us. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him, into him. He has provided for us, Christ has provided for us through the broken body and through his shed blood, he has provided for us everything that we need to the point where he upon the cross stretched out his arms. I think they were actually stretched out before this, but they were stretched out and he cried out, Tetelesta, it is finished. Beauty of walking with God, the beauty of knowing him, the beauty of maturing in Christ only takes place when we feast on Jesus. How many of us would say, I'm a Christ follower? I'm a Christ follower, yep, I'm sitting at the table, taking up the invitation, here I am. But it's been a while since I've feasted on Jesus. It's been a while since I've appropriated the broken body of the creator of the universe and all that it means for me. It's been a while since I've drank deeply of the cup of salvation and allowed this broken body and this shed blood to achieve and and do what it needs to do to, to flow over me in a way that leaves me not just rescued, but also mature, not just living in the dynamic 
that God has claimed my life, but living in the reality that God is transforming my life. This is what God has achieved for us. This is what he calls us to. This is what he desires to have before us every day, his broken body, his shed blood. And Jesus is calling us to in, into this much more. He's calling us into this. Verse 16, it calls us to this, and it says to us as the church, we are, it's from Christ that we find ourselves, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which, is it, with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We find ourselves not just doing this as an individual act, but as we find ourselves finding the fullness of what God has called us to and the fullness of what he has achieved in us, as we find these things in Christ, we realize that we are not alone, but there are many other seats at the table. And we are called to be the, the church of Christ as we not just sit at the table, as we feast on him, we find ourselves wanting to play our parts. We find ourselves wanting to be joined together. We find ourselves building the church up in love. We realize again that this is not something we can do on our own. We give ourselves to working properly as the body of Christ. Elvin Reed said these words, said, I know I'm experiencing a fresh touch of God when I stop confess confessing everyone else's sin and I start confessing my own. D.L. Moody said that I've had more trouble with myself than any other man I've ever met. <laughs> Guys, this is a, something that God starts in us, but it doesn't just remain in us. It's something that God does in us to work through us to become the body of Christ that he desires us to be. God has so much more for Gateway Church at the table. God has so much more for Gateway Church in enjoying this divine meal that provides everything we need for life and godliness. And we have so much more when we join together and we link arms with the rest of the body of Christ. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to empower us to this great task of maturity in Him, individually and as a community. And let's commit ourselves freshly to this journey of going deeper with God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that today we are those that have been invited to the table. Thank you, God, today that your word is rich to us, that it is like food for our souls. But God, even so, even as your word feeds and nourishes us, we know that there is a meal that is even greater than your word, and that is Christ himself, his body broken, his blood shed, that we may experience and know the fullness of the life which he has attained for us. God, we pray that you would call each man and woman in this gathering here today that has professed you as leader and Lord of their lives, that you would call them to a greater maturity. God, they would find themselves saying yes to you. They'd find themselves saying yes to community and oneness they'd find themselves saying yes to walking in a manner that is worthy. They'd find themselves saying yes to your word and to feasting on you, to feasting on your words. God, won't you empower Gateway Church 
to be a community that goes ever deeper in their maturity. As your word encourages us, may we find this happening individually and may we find this happening as a group of Christ followers together for your glory and our good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.